Zawete. This is Stella, and you are listening to another Backroad Oracle Halloween Commentary Special. is brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. Examples of the prices you may encounter are December's Backroll number 37 and Gotham Academy number 3, both for $2.69. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out milehighcomics.com. Backroll Oracle is also brought to you by tweakedaudio.com, high-performance, noise-reducing earbuds. Purchasers who use the code TBUSAVES get 33% off their whole order and free worldwide shipping. Tweakedaudio.com, plug in. Turn up the volume and give us a try. 
Batgirl the Oracle is a proud member of the Batman Universe family of podcasts. Hashtag TVU family. Well, listeners, you know that there are probably two holidays I think that I celebrate on this show. One of them being Valentine's Day because I love shipping. And the other one, of course, is Halloween just because I love fall and kind of the, the spooky episodes. And I think I've come up with a variety of special guests. And this person came to mind as being someone I want to come on to be on my Halloween episode because we haven't done something yet. And he's one of my very special friends and one of my favorite people. Welcome back, Michael Bailey. Because of you, I actually used shipping in a recent <laughs> review I wrote. Ooh, so, uh, I'll have to check that out. I, uh, I, 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 I said, as the kids say these days, because I want to play myself <laughs> off, as, off as old, but I am a definite Lana Lang, John Henry Iron shipper over Ooh, in Action Comics. Interesting. And they're, and they're dating now, so that okay. makes me happy. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> no, thank you so much for having me. And I, I, am a, I am a big fan of Halloween as well, and you chose... Uh, two very awesome things to talk about tonight. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm forward to it. Yeah, so I was thinking about, you know, I've done Scooby-Doo and I've done The Batman, but something I've not done at all yet is Batman the Brave and the Bold. And I, I knew there were a couple Dead Man and there's another spooky one, so I thought, what are some good episodes we could do? So I think we picked two good episodes that we could talk about. But before we get into these, doing these commentaries, what's your experience with uh, Batman, the Brave and the Bull? What were your thoughts of it when it first came on and as it was running? You, you know, it's one of those things where I didn't really get into it at first. I mean, mm-hmm. I, would, I would watch the odd episode here and there. Right. And, uh, you know, I'll kind of enjoy it and then think, wow, that one was silly. But for some reason, I don't know what it is. And maybe it's because I turned a corner uh, in my own personal fandom. I started watching it on Netflix uh, with my wife. And I just fell in love with this show. Just everything about it. And I think a lot of it had to do with hearing that awesome interview. It was a two-part interview with Diedrich Bader over on Kevin Smith's Fat Man on Batman podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. And it really gave me an appreciation for his performance of Batman. And more than anything, it's just it's just Batman teaming up with everybody. Yeah. I mean, they've had Jonah Hex. Uh, you know, and you know, we're going to be talking about on this one, uh, especially the first one. We're going to be talking about that that intro, like that teaser segment. It's almost like a little mini cartoon in of itself. Right. As like a character, like how in the heck does that work? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter because it's just fun mm-hmm. and i think that's why i love this show so much because it's it's fun batman it's not you know dark serious swear to me batman <laughs> which yeah. has its place mm-hmm. uh but it just shows what a malleable character he is that he can have this and be you know because it, it's a show that literally the entire family can watch mm-hmm. kids can enjoy it adults can enjoy it Hardcore DC comic book nerds can enjoy it, so I love it. I, I, I I'm starting the second season now, and I've just enjoyed myself with every episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I may actually surprise you by saying I, I never watched it when it was airing. I, I guess maybe I just wasn't as like involved in Batman at that point because I feel like I had my Batgirl to Oracle stuff going, but I don't think I was a member of the Batman universe, so I wasn't as steeped in Batman. But the first thing I saw, and the reason I did it was because of Batgirl, was The Last Patrol because they had that teaser and you mm-hmm. know Batgirl saves Batman from <laughs> Killer Moth, one of my favorites. 
Um, <laughs> and I remember watching the full episode. And then at the end, like the Doom Patrol dying, which is very traumatic, I think, even though I was an adult watching it, but it was still a traumatic thing. So that was basically my experience. And then watching, you know, that, that fake teaser of Batmite showing what Batgirl Year One could have been. But then I decided, like, I think, you know, I, I've seen all of the Batman stuff. I, I think I need to give this a shot and watch it. And I, yeah, I fell in love with it right away because it is fun, but I think it has its serious moments. And just well done acting. And you see characters. I think the awesome thing about these characters are characters that we've not seen in television or animated form ever. Mm-hmm. So I think what was great about it is also educating, I think, you know, parents and kids that are maybe new to comics or, you know, just figuring out, like, who is this guy? Because I feel like Dead Man, yeah, we've seen him in, because we're going to talk about him, we've seen him in Justice League, but, you know, kids these days may not have seen him and, and just, Cavalier, I mean, Killer Moth putting those in. There. I, I just think it's awesome, just the wealth of characters that they put in. And I guess, you know, there there have been some negative feelings about this show. And do you think it is mainly revolving around the fact that it's a lighter tone rather than this darker Batman the Animated Series that we had seen before? I mean, there's there's definitely the contingent of Batman fandom that wants Batman to be, like, dead serious, like mm-hmm. Dark Knight Returns, Year One, yeah, the Nolan film, serious. And I, I, I get that. If that's their Batman, that's fine. I, I'm not going to judge anybody because, it's one, it's a fictional character. So that's kind of a, that's kind <laughs> yeah. of a silly thing to judge somebody on. But more than anything, you know, if that's what they enjoy, that's fine. But I think it, I came to Batman through the 60s series when I was a little kid. So this show is very reminiscent of that, but with a with a harder edge in some cases. I mean, that Christmas episode, OMG, I mean, seriously, are you really going to throw that part of the origin into a Christmas episode? That's kind of dark, but <laughs> at the same time, you know, you had the Metal Men and you had, you know, you had a whole yeah. episode, you had a whole short with Amazing Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, this obscure '80s character that like 15 people remember, and they they gave him a chance to shine. And I think this show kind of paved the way for what we're now seeing, like on Arrow and The Flash, mm-hmm. where you have all of these different characters coming in from the comics and getting a chance to be out there and be and and let the let a new audience discover them. Yeah, and. You know, if you don't like this show, that's fine. As I said, I'm not going to say you don't have a soul. Uh, I I have my my suspicions, but I'm not going to actually say it. Uh, but you know, if you don't like it, that's fine. I just I don't get why people don't like the show. I don't understand it. It doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. I guess they just have their stand because there are people that liked Teen Titans, but they don't like Teen Titans Go. I think some people had problems with Super Best Friends Forever just because of its wackiness and being really fun. I think there's just certain levels and they expect their Batman to be a certain way. But I'm actually surprised that even though there were, you know, people didn't like it, that it lasted as long as it did. Whereas poor Beware the Batman had been running on Toonami at like 5 a.m. in the morning. It was more like 3. I don't know. But And then they just all of a sudden... My DVR recorded like eight of them at one time, so that didn't get a fair shake. And that was a darker Batman, so I feel like, mm-hmm. I don't know. But I'm glad that this lasted as long as it did, and I don't know. It's I, I hope that people give it a shot. I, I think that's, you know, watch a couple episodes, not judge it by just one or two. But, 
Yes, I'm glad that we watched it though, and we were <laughs> we're a league of our own that read Fifty Two and the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember that you and I at least have done that. Yes. Well, we're gonna we're gonna start off with Dawn of the Dead Man, which was the seventh episode of season one. And it originally aired on January 16th, 2009 in the U.S. So our teaser, and this is awesome. We were just talking about the wealth of characters. And the teaser says, Batman joins forces with Commandy, or Commandy. Is it Commandy? Commandy? Commandy. Okay. With Commandy, the last boy on Earth, and his companion, Dr. Connus, to secure some antibiotics while evading a group of Ratman. I mean, when, when, when have you ever seen Commandy and Dr. Connus, really, except for this show? Uh, well, and, yeah. The, the boy was found at Command D. Uh, yeah. So that's where the name comes gotcha. from. Gotcha. Yeah. That's why I pronounce it the way I do. I'm I'm looking at uh, Dr. Connus. I I love how his name is C A N U S. Where if they would have just tweaked that U to an I, it would have been dog in Latin. <laughs> so I, I kind of I was about to say there's got to be something Latin there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the main plot is when he ends up being buried alive by gentleman ghost, Batman uses a special meditation to leave his body and has an encounter with Dead Man. With some tricks learned by Dead Man, Batman has Green Arrow and Speedy, oh boy, dig out his body before it runs out of air so they can stop gentleman ghost from raising an army of the dead. So, yeah, so I think it was so, you know, Deadman is uh, a character, I think he's really interesting, but I feel like he doesn't get a lot of airtime. And I mean, not only on TV, but in comics. Do you know any history of him? Like, when was his big era of when he was running around? Strange Adventures back okay. in the 60s, uh, okay. created by Carmine Infantino. Oh. But really, yeah, <laughs> Carmine Infantino. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he was uh, kind of more popularized when Neil Adams took over the strip okay. uh, because he had a more stylized approach. And he became one of those, I don't want to call him a D-list character, but he mm-hmm. became, you know, he, he didn't really sustain his own series all that often. He would show up here and there. He was in, I know he was in a couple issues of World's Finest. And he also had a uh, a reprint series in the 80s that reprinted all the 60s stuff. I think his biggest, outside of the, the several miniseries, and, and really, I think Flashpoint, he got some mm-hmm. some good airtime. Uh, he, uh, he was one of the features in Action Comics Weekly when that series when that when Action Comics went to a weekly format and became an anthology book he had a uh, ongoing story drawn written and drawn by Dan Jurgens mm, okay. uh, so it, it's like he pops up every once in a while he'll mm-hmm. do guest starring you know he'll guest star in places i mean an, another good one was uh i i believe he was in Nightwing year 1 as well okay or at least Boston Brand was yeah uh, Boston oh right his, yeah I think it uh, was. So he's just one of these characters that I think created an impression on people, but never was able to sustain his own series because his shtick, it's kind of limiting Yeah. in an, in an ongoing way. Like Very a six-issue miniseries about that would be awesome. Yeah. Seeing that happen again and again and again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm well, who, who knows? It may be the next CW series, but still. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I like the character, and I've liked just about every adaptation I've seen him in. He was really good in Justice League Unlimited. 
And here he's voiced by the Flash and Lex Luthor himself, Michael Rosenbaum. So, Ooh, yep. Yeah. I, uh, I was excited to, because all through the episode, I'm like, I know this voice. I've heard this voice yeah. before. <laughs> yeah, uh, doesn't that bother you in cartoons? Some of the people yeah. I can like easily say, oh, yeah, that's you know who, but other times it was like, I've heard this before. Oh, that's so. Fry or that's Bender. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, Joe DiMaggio and uh, Billy West have very distinctive voices, mm-hmm. but then some other people are able to hide it a little better. Yeah. Like the fact that Green Arrow on this series is played by James Arnold Taylor, who is also Obi-Wan Kenobi on mm, Clone Wars. Interesting. And he's Fred Flintstone. Oh, who to thunk? This is why I love having you on. You're just such a wealth of information. <laughs> I just ask a question and let you go at it, and you like know the answer totally. So you make up my, for my ignorance and things. Well, are you set to watch this first one? I, I am ready to. Okay. I am ready, good to go, and ready to launch. <laughs> okay, so we are queued up. We can see, you know, the red screen. I think with little bugs. Yeah. on his carrot so zero zero and so we'll count down we'll say three two one play and then you can listen to us chat about dawn of the dead man so three two one play the uh commandy's an interesting character to me uh he is a jack kirby creation uh, it's odd that you chose two episodes of Jack Kirby creations. By the way. <laughs> odd or wonderful? Uh, I would say both. But, uh, you know, it, it's just this, it's a total takeoff on Planet of the Apes. It really is. Uh, from what I understand from the history of the series is that DC wanted the rights to Planet of the Apes, couldn't get it, so they made Je- they had Jack Kirby create a Planet of the Apes type show so you have this future after this the great disaster and you have different factions of animals fighting each other and you have commandy running in the middle of all that being the last boy on earth Mm -hmm. uh and just to see him on here makes me smile in a way that you know my love for dc comics goes deep and it it goes into the more kind of obscure characters Mm -hmm. and how can you not like a dog dog you know like a dog character I mean, seriously. And his pet is like the human, so it's a complete, you know, role <laughs> reversal. So what is uh, Commandy's, he was just found as his child? I mean, how did he get there? Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. I used to know this by heart. He, his, um, I don't know if he was raised by his oh, grandfather, but I know that the the words Command D had something to do with it, which okay. is why when uh, Grant Morrison and was kind of, creating certain portions of the new DC universe after infinite crisis, mm-hmm. you had that battle for Bloodhaven mm, series. Right. And the, at the end, the shining Knights find command D and that was supposed to play into everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially since command D was in final crisis as well. So he's just, I'm trying to remember the first issue because I did read it like years ago, but essentially he's kind of found by the, you know, these, this, these dog creatures and eventually become, you know, it becomes their allies and just has adventures in misbegotten, you know, like that 
uh, Statue of Liberty shot that we just saw yeah. is very prevalent on the cover of the first issue. Okay. It's one of those books that I'm familiar with that I've read like the first issue to and that I really want to dig into because of all of the books Jack Kirby created at DC in the early 70s, Commandy actually ran the longest. Really? Yeah, I mean, the the New Gods were in, and the various Fourth World books were done by like 11 issues over, and they were bi-monthly. And the Demon ran, uh, I think, only about 12 or to like 17 issues. But Commandy ran into like the 50s, wow. even after Kirby was no longer with the title. So it's it's obviously a property that for whatever reason captured that era's uh, audience uh, and, and actually kind of made him somewhat of a popular character. That shot with the car kind of reminded me of, was it the, was it here after the Justice League episode mm-hmm. where Superman, you know, is like wild Superman and had to fix up a car and He's sitting there driving a, driving a classic, uh, hot yeah. rod, <laughs> yeah. throwing a beard. I mean, it's like yeah. total like hippie Superman, yeah. uh, meeting up with Vandal. So oh, that's one of my favorite episodes. Do you think, oh, and yeah, we should talk about this. Then I have a question about Commandy and uh, Kazar or Kazar. And uh, I think this is great with, even though it just says the brave and the bold over and over again, but at one point it says all the different like villains Mm -hmm. and like, but I think, yeah, it's just, I think in a sense, in very much the spirit of the show, you know, how fun it is and gives you an idea of the, the wealth of the cast that they do. Yeah. Despero, all the bad guys. It's fun. It's fun. I, I love that Batmobile and I love the theme. It's very jazzy, very sixty yes, kind of yep. spy thriller. Dawn of the dead man. So what was your question about? My, uh, do you think, um, commandy influenced or had any influence on the savage land in that creation in Marvel and no, Kazar? Kazar is a golden age character. Oh, okay. So before actually, commandy then, yeah, he came from the pulps in the 30s. Oh, okay. Uh, part of Martin Goodman's publishing firm, and they just brought him into the comics in the 60s. So, yeah, one didn't really have anything to do with the other. Okay. I just saw some similarities, so I wondered if there was any influence no. on either side. Loin cloths, long flowing blonde hair, <laughs> animal sidekicks. I can, yeah, I, can, I, can, I, can, you know. I, I see where you were going there. Yeah. Ah, the Gentleman Ghost, yes. a Hawkman villain yep. that was kind of uh, stolen for this show. Yeah. Do you uh, have any th- thoughts on that? Like, are you okay with them using Green Arrow and not Hawkman you know for this? The, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, I, I think we're in an era with DC where villains, except for like certain villains, like Batman's villains are usually off limits to everybody else. But I think we're at a point where everybody else's villains, like Hawkmans and Green Arrows and all that, can kind of mix and match. I mean, we live in an era now where Deathstroke is no longer a Teen Titans villain, like Very at true. all. Yeah, he like, was on the- Arrow. He was the main villain of Arrow for season two. Yeah, and he's he had his own series in the New 52, and because the mm-hmm. Titans, the Teen Titans didn't exist, he had nothing to do with them. Right. So I think as long as you play right and I, I'm not overly familiar with the gentleman ghost outside of like reading his who's who but visually he's a stunning character mm-hmm. I agree and yeah th- there was a great shot um, when Batman just threw that nth metal battering and just like a flash of like who he really was it was just awesome and and even how subtle it was that coffin had a kind of a Jack Kirby design with it with mm. the circles and everything yeah. kind of, of the new gods 
Of course he's got night vision goggles. He's <laughs> Batman. He's so. be prepared. That's kind of foolish of the gentleman ghost to leave the utility belt, even though he's buried him alive. I mean, leaving the utility belt within reach is a bad decision for any villain. Now, this is one of those moments where, you know, you could say the show gets silly. <laughs> and, and and to be fair, Batman is like, you know, Bat God on this show. He is the most awesome thing ever. Right. Uh, but it's his show, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I just rolled with it because now we get a team up with Dead Man. And if you yeah. ever, and if you read the original Brave and the Bold series, once Batman, once it became a Batman team up book, Bob Haney was insane, and he didn't care about continuity, and he would just <laughs> throw people together, and it didn't it'd throw Batman together with somebody. I mean, there's a my favorite example of that is an issue where he teams up with Richard Dragon, Kung Fu Fighter. Oh wow! And Batman and Richard Dragon fly coach. So you have a shot of Batman on an airplane in coach, just flying with everybody else. It was, it's it just, it's just, you just go with it. So here, you know, we're, inter- we're being introduced to dead man. Uh, we're not even seeing his full look. He looks more yeah. like the specter at first. Yeah. Uh, I feel not bad colorful for at all, Just black and what in the world? <laughs> that was kind of weird to see <laughs> Batman fly off like that. This is kind of funny. I always like it when uh, mediums and psychics are kind of exposed as frauds yeah. uh, in, in comical ways. I mean, this is a complete throwaway scene, and yet they put all this effort in designing the room and designing the guy that you know she's uh, you know that that's her customer and the the whole thing, and and then you just have the gentleman ghost come in and go, ah. "Hello, yeah, <laughs> yoo-hoo. And I just saw. Um, oh. The, the newest Woody Allen film, Magic in the Moonlight, uh, with Emma Stone and Colin Firth. And now it's, Colin Firth's like purpose is to basically debunk all of these people who are can do seances and stuff like that. So it kind of reminds me of that. Batman's flying. There he is. You just mm-hmm. go with it. So, I mean, yeah. it's just... And and this is actually kind of a touching scene, and and I think that's one of the heart of this of this particular series is that yeah they had fun team ups and all that, mm-hmm. but they would actually have some pretty strong emotional moments, and right. we're seeing one here where Batman's being kind of seduced by the light, mm-hmm. so it looks like the specter through like most of this episode. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne were like at a got murdered or something because her dress is a little more elaborate than i would think of for uh going to see zoroan yeah going to see zoroan <laughs> <laughs> let's go to a movie yeah well she was wearing pearls though well yeah and you know, and now catwoman saw the the origin so there you go oh yeah <laughs> it all becomes queer do you think this is a bit too supernatural because i'm getting a lot of like dr strange almost you know how he's able to you know, project it's, an astral pro- projection of himself. I mean, and here we've got this. Is this too supernatural for Batman? No, because, well, to be fair, I've really been a. I just noticed that he's not wearing his utility belt in his astral form. That's kind of funny. Um, no, I, I, I'm not normally a big fan of Batman and the supernatural uh, because I just think that, I mean, I, I get it on a visual level. Mm-hmm. They're just stories that don't normally appeal to me. Mm-hmm. But. Again, with this show, I treat it as as its own thing. And if you're going to get into Brave and the Bold, you're going to have to deal with the fact that they're going to hop genres. Yeah. 
And on this episode, it's a supernatural one. So I knew that going in. You got the gentleman ghost. You got dead man. So, you know, it's going to be creepy, kooky, and altogether ooky at times. (laughs) So um, it's really awesome that they went with, like, kind of the original look for Green Arrow uh, on this show instead Mm -hmm. of his, uh, you know, the Neil Adams costume or even, like, the the later. Yeah, yeah, with the goatee or the later hooded versions of it. Yep. It is a little more kid-friendly. Um, Mm -hmm. Speedy is voiced by uh, Jason Marsden Jason Marsden not James Marsden that's Cyclops Uh, who is who was also who was on Boy Meets World but he was Snapper Carr uh, and he was the voice of Max and Hocus Pocus and full time uh, he was Max on in the the Goofy movie oh so they, I, I think they pitched him up a little here. <laughs> He's talking kind of like, "Hey, that, hey, Green Arrow." That's a voice I will never use again. So <laughs> right now, but just... I really like Green Arrow on this show. Yeah. He's just fun. Mm-hmm. Kind of a dullard. Yeah, but I mean, right here he's doing an impression of Batman, and it's, it's hysterical. <laughs> But uh, one of the great things about this episode is that the other voice actors, like uh, Jason Marston here mm-hmm. with Speedy, and later uh, Diedrich Bader gets to play Dead Man, and it's really impressive to hear them switch into the other characters. Right, yeah. And I'm not quite sure. I know that in the, the episode of Justice League where Flash and Lex Luthor switched brains, mm-hmm. that... Michael Rosenbaum would say the line and then Clancy Brown would repeat it, kind of trying to emulate him. And I think it was vice versa. Uh, I don't know if they did that here, but it's entirely possible. I mean, Andrew Romano was the uh, voice director on on both series. You know, I I watched this earlier in the evening preparing for this, and now the sound's kind of down because of how my system is set up. It's kind of weird seeing Batman talk and nothing coming out of his mouth. So... (laughs) But it's, oh man, there is a whole lot of floating Batman in this episode, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. He see, and Deadman seems like, I guess I have, I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking too much. There was a DC Nation short with him, which I really like. And he has like a, a friend, uh, a crow. I, have you seen that? No, I haven't seen that. Okay. Yet. It's very fun. Maybe it'd be on YouTube. I don't know. But something Probably. happens. He goes missing and then he comes back and they're reunited. But he's happy in that one, and I guess maybe Dead Man is pretty sad. But he just looks so grim here. Well, he's a he, he is a very tragic character. Yeah. You know, Boston Brand was assassinated. Yeah. Uh, while doing the high rise, and they did a really great job evoking the original comics with that. Mm-hmm. And now he's just kind of searching for you know the person that killed him, and is at the service of this kind of you know. Buddhist Museum of Torture. Well, they're they're not burying the lead with that one, are they? (laughs) No. (laughs) There's a museum in D.C. of crime and punishment. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's not too far off base. And in Philly, you have the Muter Museum, which is all the the medical oddities, uh, which my wife wants to visit because that's just how she is. You know... There's something fun about swashbuckling Batman. Yes. uh, Where he's fighting a guy with a sword. Uh, Wow, that was a great kick. 
That was another thing, is that I'm kind of glad that this was on Cartoon Network in the 2000s, because then the action uh, was even a little more intense than even Batman the Animated Series when it was on Fox. Mm -hmm. I mean, when it went on the WB, they kind of lightened a lot of the restrictions. Oh, finally! His actual costume is revealed. And he's got a really neat costume. It's he you know does. it's a circus outfit, yeah. but you know it's red, and you know he's white, so it's yeah. I, I think he's one of those characters that people get attracted to initially because visually he's a very interesting looking character, mm-hmm. uh, especially drawn by Neil Adams. Yeah, um, though the original Carmine Infantino was pretty. Ooh, look at that horse! Uh, you know, and and that's why this is a great one to talk about at Halloween. Yeah. Not only do you have, like, ghosts, uh, but you have different types of ghosts, like a skeletal horse. That's, <laughs> yeah. Who wouldn't creepy. want that for their birthday? <laughs> Mom, can I have a skeletal pony? Mom, can I have therapy for the rest of my life? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been great for my little pony, skeletal pony. Oh, my goodness. What Voiced by mean? Tara Strong. she does like half the women in animation doesn't she so yeah (laughs) i don't know how she's not like schizophrenic uh i think i think she's very well paid and (laughs) that probably helps yeah though uh see he draws a circle in the middle of the table Brings out the key, it goes into the table. This is why sometimes supernatural stories kind of uh, work for me on this. And little boos. Aren't those called boos on uh, Mario? I think so. (laughs) I I wonder how scary this would be for little kids, though. Would this freak out a kid today? I mean... It could. I mean, I guess it depends on the kid. I I, I was at work uh, a couple weeks ago, and there was this little girl, and she had to be like five. And she desperately wanted Spider-Man 3. Uh, and I kind of, like, stopped her parents. I'm like, uh, how is she with, like, kind of intense images? And they're like, oh, she's watched all the Friday the 13th movies. Oh, my and like, gosh. And I'm like, okay, very good. She's oh. obviously very, uh, very well adjusted. So, yeah. you know, anytime you get an army of skeletons. Yeah. Uh Wow, that's so awesome watching him pop the head on. That was another thing about this show is that the the animation was, you know, oh very gosh. stylized, but always yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that that that's, you know, the, the, the march of the of the bony soldiers. Yes. Uh, and uh, <laughs> poor. What in the world? Now, this is clever. I, I like, uh, you know, he, he is kind of tr- betrayed, uh, betrayed, portrayed as kind of. Like not as smart as Batman, but it was kind of cool to see Green Arrow yeah, have his like mirror l- the mirror <laughs> the mirror arrow. Uh, Do you think Batman's eyes would be open? Oh, maybe it, yes. the whites are always just there. Uh, yeah, it depends on. Oh, man, there there there's something that you could talk about for like six hours. About what the is lights, appropriate? Yeah. Are they lenses? Yeah, because they're kind of like. Uh, they're kind of like Spider-Man and Spectacular Spider-Man's eyes, where they, you know, the, the they get wider depending on the mood and or or narrower. And I actually prefer that mm-hmm. uh, with Batman. So yeah, kind of like Spider-Man's eyes. Sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes they'll just say the same, or uh, sometimes they will like show his his um, facial expressions. Hmm. But you know, comics. So yeah, or cartoons. Yeah, 
Yep. So this, as a cultural reference, I will say Jason and the Argonauts, which I love that movie. Um, it reminds me of when they throw the, the dragon bones and then these skeletons rise up from the ground. Yeah, there was definitely a, a big Ray Harryhausen in yeah. at the end of this episode. Uh, even with the skeletal horse kind of had a... Uh, That's a little weird. <laughs> I love this. Uh, aren't you forgetting something? <laughs> Can I have my body back, please? I'd, I'd really just like my body back. It would make me happy. No, this is a more um, somber dead man. Because the dead man... Yeah. Limited, you know, even though he does something really horrible to Batman, uh, he seems oh, to be yeah. more of kind of a, a fun-loving character. And here, you know, I, I guess it's just you know when Batman's brighter, <laughs> maybe the the maybe you can have like the other characters be a little darker. So, you know, okay. Here's what my in the world? With this episode. <laughs> Green Arrow's the one who says, "Yeah, it's okay." Like, like but let's Speedy's not ask not? the kid. Let's not ask the kid. I know. If, like ask the parent slash guardian if it's okay. Well, we are talking about a character in the comics that paid so little attention to his ward that the ward got oh. a dick smack. So yeah. there, there's that too. Um, but we're not there yet, I, and I doubt we. I doubt they would have ever gone down that road on Bat- <laughs> Brave and the Bold. He's addicted to candy, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Like that Saved by the Bell episode where she gets addicted to like diet pills. Oh my gosh! Yeah. It's like all hopped up on caffeine and yep. just like that's that's a drug, but that's not like studying. Oh, Jesse Spano. <laughs> and then she did Showgirls. Um, yes, <laughs> you you backed away from the microphone because you were ashamed. You knew that fact, but I knew it too. I saw that in the theater. Oh, um, that. <laughs> Maybe we we, we wanted to see the prophecy, and it wasn't playing that night. And it was me and a bunch of friends from college, and it was 1995, and we had nothing better to do. And, and to be fair, we had fun making fun of it. The yeah, entire time. Uh, Batman's a good guy, yep. even though Gentleman Ghost was trying to kill him, literally trying to kill him. He's he's still going to try to save him, even though he's getting sucked into the. So. That's creepy. <laughs> are those all bones or wheat? Oh, okay. Yeah, those are well, they're leaves and bones. Yeah, because far away, it looked like all those bones. Oh, he floated away. Maybe he'll find a friend as a crow. Oh, yeah. Doesn't he have like Gil God that? Or is that just yeah, what is her name? It's like Ramakushna or something like that. It's a. Uh, they played with it a lot in '52. Uh, or at least, because he's all hooked up with, like, Nanda Parbat. Yeah. And the question. Which I just like saying, Nam, Nanda Parbat. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it's that kind of, uh, kind of Buddhist, kind of Zen, kind of New Agey type thing, mm-hmm. which was uh, which was very popular in the 70, 60s and 70s. So it makes perfect sense that you would pull that in. You know, I, I think one of my favorite things about this show is that it's not afraid to end in a freeze frame. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep, showing him in the back. Yep. Which is a total 80s, uh, 80s thing to do, really. Just ending an action film with like a freeze yeah. frame into action. 
But no, I, I mean, you know, for 22 minutes, and especially since it's on Netflix yeah, uh, streaming, you know, you're paying for the subscription already, 22 minutes, it, and I we really would watch like six or seven at a time. And, and then I'd have to go do something else or go to work or because, you know, you have to you have to eventually have a job uh, to pay for the Netflix. Mm-hmm. So that's, but no, I loved this episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun. You know, mm-hmm. bringing in the Gentleman Ghost, bringing in Dead Man. I mean, just everything about it. Uh, and, and then it, opening it like they did with the he's already dead and we're doing the flashback to, to catch up with what's going on. Right. I thought was a lot of fun as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of hooks you, I think, right away. And then, yeah, it steps back a little bit to show how it got in that situation. So uh, Greg Ellis, who voiced Gentleman Ghost, was also the voice of Dr. Connus. <laughs> and then Corey Burton was Thomas Wayne, which Corey Burton is Brainiac, right, in Superman? He was Brainiac. Yeah. Uh, just a, a, an extremely talented voice actor. Yeah. Uh, I've... I've uh, I've liked just about every role he's done, but Brainiac, you know, even though this is a this is a Batman related thing, I, I think you know. Well, it's he was, okay. He popped up in Justice League. There's a connection, and he was in Nightlife, uh, which was the Batman crossover, which was the Batman crossover episode with Superman the animated series. So he was the bad guy there. No, he just had that creepy monotone voice. Yeah, uh, that yeah, worked so well, and yep. you know, he didn't really have a chance to shine with. Uh, you know, Thomas Wayne, because let's face it, Thomas Wayne didn't have all that much to do in this episode. So yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. Yes, it was a lot of fun. Would you read, what would you pick up? Would you pick up Commandy comics after this, or would you try to find some dead man comics, which interested more? I would probably just, just for how my brain works, I would probably want to do, since I've read more dead man, I'd want to check out Commandy. Yeah. Uh, more just because, it's one of those characters that I don't know all that much about outside of their who's who entries mm-hmm. and like reading the odd issue. Like I've read a lot of dead man. So I think I got to go yeah. get a handle on that. Yeah. Plus, you know, when you're, you're, you're jumping into, you know, like you're basically jumping from you, you your choices are supernatural crime thriller mm-hmm. or, you know, planet of the apes pastiche, you know, Trapped in a world he never made, post-apocalyptic. I mean, it hits a lot of neat genres as well. Mm-hmm. So, plus talking dogs. There was a there was a whole <laughs> series of uh, Superboy, the Connor Kent Superboy, mm-hmm. uh, when he hit issue fifty, and Carl Kessel and Tom Grummet came back to the sh- to the series. They introduced all the Commandy tropes, w- but it was Superboy as Commandy, uh, and that was kind of interesting to see as well. So, yeah, I would definitely go more for Commandy. Well, if you at Atlas Comics, you'll have to look in the back <laughs> issues. <laughs> yeah, I um I think I don't know really much about either of them except what I've seen. But yeah, I was kind of thinking before I started recording that, you know, Dead Man seems like an interesting guy to just and if he doesn't really have that much, I think it'd be easy to just find a few issues and read a, a little more about him. Uh what would you recommend as like a reader who would want to read some dead if man gonna, stuff. If you're going to do Dead Man, go to eBay and try to track down the reprint series from the 80s. It should be rather inexpensive. Okay. Uh, cuz that reprints a lot of the stuff from the 60s and 70s. Okay. Uh and I don't want to say track down Action Comics week commitment to 
you know, like five other features, mm, uh, which right. you may or may not like. And, and some of them were good and some of them were, were, were the opposite of good. Uh, so there was a character called Wild Dog who was a vigilante character that I think the less said about him, the better, actually. <laughs> um, I'm surprised he never ended up on Brave and the Bull. That would have been weird. But <laughs> no, uh, just track, th- track that down. There's a couple trades out there of more recent stuff. Uh, you know, because they did a couple different like mini series over the years uh, of Dead Man, uh, and then tracked down that episode of Justice League Unlimited because I thought it was probably it was oh, very entertaining yeah. and has an ending that's just like you made oh Batman gosh. do what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was it was pretty intense. And what about Commandy? Does he have a showcase yet? No, I was just wondering. I was just about to look up to the- see if. They have been reprinting a lot of Jack Kirby stuff in the past. Commandy like, Archives volun- Volume 2. Yeah. So you it looks like that. it may be out of print, but yeah. And I'm wondering if he has a jet, like a, an omnibus. Oh, there it is. Yeah. The Last Boy on Earth Omnibus Volume 2. And yeah. Probably Volume 1 somewhere. Yeah. I mean, they're. They're a little expensive, but yeah. uh, I think uh, I think they're kind of worth it. The cover of the um, of the second omnibus has them on a raft of all things. Since we just saw that in weird shark planes, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> planes that are in yeah. That's oh, this is one of those omnibuses that's kind of out of print, so it's really expensive. Yeah, I saw it was like thirty five dollars. It says it prints uh, Commandi one through twenty. So I wonder what. So I, I would prints. definitely, and, and I would actually check out a lot of the other stuff that Kirby did. Oh, uh, through, I mean, the well, we'll get to that recommendation in a minute. But yeah. oh, you know, his fourth world stuff—it's not for everybody. It's really strange. Mm-hmm. I happen to love it. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I've been reading Moon Knight. I know that this is like a DC podcast, but I talk I can talk about whatever I want to. But Moon Knight, which I've really liked, so I could see how Dead Man, I may like that because it is I, I felt like the way you were describing it as a would you say a supernatural detective story? I think that's yeah, that's yeah, something like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Moon Knight was very much in that vein. He yeah. was kinda in three different personal three different, you know, secret identities mm-hmm. and just he is kind of Marvel's Batman, mm-hmm. and, you know. Somebody like in the Marvel universe, and I answered very honestly, he'd be Moon Knight uh, because that you know you, you've got the martial arts, you've got the costume, but emotionally and personality-wise, Batman really doesn't fit in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's human. And I think that's where people kind of have the mistake, like, oh, he'd, be, he'd fit very well. He's a realistic character. But he's a very straightforward character. There isn't a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of emotional turmoil within him. Mm-hmm. But he's pretty straightforward about his mission. It's not, it's not, I feel guilty because my parents are dead. My parents are dead, so I'm going to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Yeah. And with Marvel characters, it seems you have to have that hook of guilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, in one form or another. I mean, that's why Spider-Man's, po- you know, what separated Spider-Man from everybody is yeah. that it's, it's not so much that he fights crime. He fights crime because he blames himself for his uncle's death. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Do you read the new Moon Knight series at all that was relaunched? I, I, I am going to be honest. I have not read 
like I've read some Spider-Man. Okay. But you I have, have not to. Read, I've not read new Marvel okay. in like five years. Wow. So the last time I really followed Marvel closely was Secret Invasion. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's wow. it's like I, I followed Cap for a yeah. long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, I just fell out of new comics. I mean, the, the fact that I read as many DC books as I do right now is kind of uh, amazing to me considering how non-emotionally non, uh, committed I am to, to the current DC uh, universe. Yeah. I'm not getting too many DCs, so my Marvel side of the polis is very heavy, but I am enjoying uh, the Moon Knight. And Warren Ellis started it off, and then they switched to a new guy, and I was a little hesitant about it because I, generally I, I start because I trust somebody, and then if they leave, I usually leave with them. But the first issue of this new guy, whose name I, I can't remember, was actually good, so I'll, I'll stick with it. But yay! Okay, well, our next and final episode is good because the teaser and the main plot both are kind of spooky. It's Trials of the Demon, and this was episode 15 again of season one, and it aired on March 20th, 2009. So, the teaser Batman and the Golden Age Flash, which there's a difference, stopped the Scarecrow and the Scream Queen on Halloween night. I'm actually not familiar with the Scream Queen at all. I think she's I think she's exclusive to the show. Oh, so. okay. Good to know. And then the main plot, after thwarting Crazy Quilt's art robbery. Love it. Again. <laughs> I know. Again. Just like using these random characters that you would never see, you know, popular on a show like this. Batman is taken to 19th century London by Jason Blood's magic to help Jason Blood when he's framed for a series of crimes committed by Jim Craddock, who is stealing souls for Astaroth for immortality. Etrigan, who is the other side of Jason Blood, and Batman are aided in their investigations by the legendary Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. So I think this will be a good one. Sherlock Holmes is a jerk. Oh, you know, Jason Blood can sometimes be a jerk, too. I think it's just because he's lived so long that maybe he's just, like, done with it. Done with, you know, all the crap that people have. But I I think in some portrayals, like, he's just, like, he really is very standoffish, I think. But he kind of wears on you, I think. Uh, Well, imagine that old man yelling at you to get off his lawn, but he never (laughs) ages. And he just, just, yeah, like, yeah, Gran Torino with Jason Blood would be great. But yeah, you just see like this one shot where each like new neighbor over the centuries, he just steps out and says, get off my lawn. And then (laughs) the next century, get off my lawn. (laughs) That'd be be a DC nation short. That should be. That'd be amazing. DC contact me. I have good ideas. I do have to say that (laughs) there's that wonderful episode, Kid Stuff in Justice League. Which I absolutely love. I think it's so cute. And Etrigan turns into a baby. And then, uh, you know, you've got little Batman and little Diana and little Green Lantern who has to have glasses on. Do you remember this? Yes. I, I, that has one of the best openings because the villains are trapped in that netherworld. And Copperhead goes, <laughs> we've gone to the bad place. The bad place. Oh, gosh. Man. I, I love DC stuff, DC animation. Okay, so here we are. We're queued up again with our little Bugs Bunny and the red screen, and we'll do the three, two, one play again. So here we are with Trials of the Demon in three, two, one play. 
Well, let me... Uh... How you doing, Pugs? Good to see you again. <laughs> uh, if you were going to hook me into an episode... Yes? Uh, one, I really like the design of Scarecrow on this show. Yeah. It's it's a really cool design. You, you put the Golden Age Flash in yes. anything, and yep. I'm going to want to watch it. Because I love Jay Garrick. Yeah. I, ever since I discovered him in the pages of Mark Wade's run of the Flash, I have just loved that character. And <laughs> I love the fact that they named this woman Scream Queen. Yeah. And it's just, as, you know, she has the powers for it, but still, that's, you know, that's what they used to call like Jamie Lee Curtis and, and other women who started oh, horror gosh. films. So. Yeah. Do you think she has the power to make her way into the comics? She's no Harley Quinn or yeah. Renee Montana, so probably not. I mean, I could see, you know, if someone picks her up, I mean, I could see Scott Snyder using her. Yeah. I can honestly see that, and her being like, God, could you imagine Greg Capullo drawing that character? That'd be Man. awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you also want to get me interested in an episode, have the 60s-type minions coming out. I know, all dressed in, yeah. Costumes. I'm surprised they're not named, like, different skeletal, like, bones. <laughs> Humorous. Yes. Femur. <laughs> Mandibula. Ow. <laughs> Let me show you on your costume where I broke you. <laughs> so. Oh, gosh. You know, the, the idea of the scarecrow fighting with a giant scythe is, is something I'm surprised hasn't been popularized yeah. more. He, he doesn't the, seem... He's not as much of an offensive character. No, I mean, though, if you if you read during like Nightfall, he is a master. Mary Jane popped up. Did you see Mary Jane Watson? Yes, I did. Okay, continue with your Nightfall. Sorry. Uh, He he was master of the crane technique, you know, the crane fighting form, which I thought really silly, but, you know, still. No, I just like the fact that Flash is kind of has to be kind of a jerk in this and steal everyone's pumpkin. Yeah. Um. I wonder if Linus is somewhere around waiting for the great pumpkin. <laughs> That's when he finally snaps and starts, <laughs> goes, start, climbs a bell tower and starts picking people off. So, cause, cause Linus was always kind of round wound kind of tight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if any of the Charlie, you know, everyone say Charlie Brown would snap, but I honestly think that Linus is the one we have to watch out for. Now, you know, this is one of those things where I'm like, wow, that really has to hurt because the idea of being crushed by like a mountain of pumpkins. I mean, those things are solid. These aren't like all like, you know, all hollowed out and everything. So. And of course, Batman disappears because that's what Batman does. We'll get the people are about to get pitchforks and firebrands <laughs> after Jake. The, the little Mary J. Watson girl is also dressed like uh, Velma from Scooby Doo. Oh boy, maybe that's probably not a coincidence. <laughs> you know, it's something I'm hoping they do in Flash. I think the first season would be too much, but just really exploring because they're they're setting up for, you know, a crisis or Flashpoint, whatever it was in that first episode. You know. Oh, uh, that was that was that was definitely Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah, so but, it'll be interesting to explore, like if they will, you know, we see other flashes like Jay Garrick pop up. If they did it right and it was an alternate reality, they would have his father come in, and then you'd have John Wesley Ship in the Flash outfit mm, again. Yeah, happy. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
this is one of those things where they really got the atmosphere right in this episode. That, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen From Hell, the movie From Hell. About Jack the Ripper? Yeah. But one of the things they do in that film is when you see one of the bad guys in his carriage, that that little seat, that little step up thing pops down. Oh. So when I watched it here, I was like, wow, that's really creepy to do in this. Yeah. Uh, I guess Stranger Danger didn't exist back then since she like, <laughs> walked in. Well, to be fair, a well-dressed gentleman in a, in a carriage that looks like he has money, you would probably trust that. That's true. Sherlock Holmes and Watson. Yep. Another, you know, anytime. Batch and Martin. <laughs> <laughs> that would be actually, or Johnny Lee Miller. If you yes. Go. Yeah. Uh, the elementary mm-hmm. thing. Uh, I am not overly familiar with Sherlock Holmes, though I did write a, uh, a uh, term paper on the character, comparing him to, comparing and contrasting him to Augusta C. Dupin from Edgar Allan Poe's stories. Uh, so I did read a, a number of the, his stories in high school. I just love the idea of, of Sherlock Holmes as a character in any iteration. I mean, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr., mm-hmm. uh, you know, Basil Rathbone. I just think he – it's just a – I love Detective – I mean, House is Sherlock Holmes, essentially. Uh or as a Holmesian type character, you know, a brilliant man who works outside of the system somewhat and has a addiction. So uh, it's, it's always the pitchforks and the rake thingies. Uh Oh, would you say that Jason blood? Oh, is he allergic to iron? Iron, uh, through mo in most like mystical stories, is something that can hurt supernatural oh. beings. I don't remember why, but there is an explanation for it. Something of it being a natural metal, which somehow hurts them. What were you uh, asking about? Jason I was Blood? just gonna say, do you, do you find uh, Jason Blood an attractive an attractive guy? Maybe Are you I asking if I like got a man crush on huh? him? Or? I don't know. Do you think he's as a Bruce Wayne is generally an attractive guy? What do you think about Jason Blood with his little I, white I, streak know, in his the, hair? I think the white streak in the hair is kind of hot. I mean, yeah. I, I like that in women. So I, I, I guess if I was attracted to men, I would, uh, I would also. I mean, he's you know he's kind of solidly built. He's got mm-hmm. a dark side. So mm-hmm. crazy quilt. Oh my god! I cannot believe they used crazy. Isn't quilt. that amazing? The only thing we're missing is Condiment King, and we would have it made. Arch enemy of Robin. <laughs> one of his, one of uh, when Jason Todd in the comic books, the original like you know circus boy Jason Todd before he became a jerk and got killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first outing as Robin, he was uh, attacked and beaten quite severely by Crazy Quilt, uh, who was who mistook him for Dick Grayson because oh, you know yeah. Of well, he was dying his hair, so of course. <laughs> and you say that, and it still it will never work for me. <laughs> uh, it's been twenty years. You need to get over it. There's been a lot of uh, there's been several team ups between Sherlock Holmes and Batman in the comics over the years, and I can never get enough of them. I just it makes sense in in some weird way, but I mean to have like these awesome detectives working together. 
Yeah, I mean, and but I just like that in this in this particular case, Holmes doesn't like him because he's just as smart as he is. Mm-hmm. So Holmes, I guess, maybe feels threatened or whatever. So I, I kind of like that. You know, Holmes is kind of a, a jerk uh, at points in this one. You know, it, it's never good when they have the torches and the. And I the, know. It reminds me of the Smallville episode where they went to that creepy town in season nine. Or was yes. it ten? You know? Yes. No, I, I thought you were going to talk about season four when Lana Lang was uh, possessed by a witch and that Ooh. was awful. So no, not that stuff. one. Where Lois was like kidnapped and she's going to be burned and then, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, was, a, that was a good one. I, yeah. I, I and then at the that. very end, it was great because at the very end, like he gave, uh, Clark gave her his journal mm-hmm. of like everything that was about him. There's, uh, but you know, this is one of the the episodes of Brave and the Bold that I would point to. Like, this is why this show works. Mm-hmm. It's Batman in the late 1800s teaming up with the Demon and Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. There is nothing wrong with what I just said. Yeah, on every level. And then they do one more thing in this episode that we're about to get to. That made me very nearly cheer out. <laughs> I love the body language of him walking back and forth yeah. and giving his little dissertation on what's going on. Isn't that how he confesses that he thinks like he needs mm-hmm. motion in order to think about what's going on? <laughs> you know, without the sound, Holmes is even more of a jerk. <laughs> I, I just, I just, I just want to, I just want to say that. So. Uh, I really wish they would have done the full gone gone oh form of fan form of man you know what is it something about fleshy mire and then it ends with uh, gone gone oh form of man rise the demon Etrigan. What do you think about Batman just like easily accepting that Jason Blood is Etrigan? Uh, like he I doesn't like- even like bat an eyelash that oh he just turned into this. I think he well one I think he already knows him and two I. Batman lives in a world where there are ghosts and aliens and stuff. So a demon really shouldn't be outside of his wheelhouse. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and and plus this Batman's unflappable. So it makes perfect sense that he'd be like, okay, he's turned into the demon. Got it. Moving on. Notice how Batman just jumped over Etrigan in his crisis with the large snake to go. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, you choosing these two episodes, very sneaky, sis. <laughs> uh, because, <laughs> because when I first saw the guy in the outfit, I was like, is that Jim Craddock? Because it had been a while since I've seen this one. Ooh. But I'm like, ah, she's a, that's Stella. She's always yeah. thinking. Yep. It's the God like Gentleman Ghost. So, uh, you know, these dead bodies. they're all connected. Um, the interconnectedness. Yeah. I, I like the fact that it is enough of a children's show that these women aren't dead. Yeah, they're just they're just a not life. okay right now. <laughs> I know, <laughs> basically. And there is something kind of cool about Batman's cape turning into a giant demon. Yeah, that uh, Batman's gear in this show. I really like the design of everything. Uh, you know his little uh, you know his little uh, gauntlet thing where that he uses to swing around town. Looking like the Batmobile, I thought was really neat. Apparently, Etrigan is now Aladdin. Well, breathing fire was within his uh, skill set, so. And he is a rhyming demon, which is one of the higher classes of demons uh, in DC's version of Hell. 
as uh, as uh, brought about by I think Alan Moore. Very, you don't see the bat, bat costume uh, torn up very often. No, so to, to kind of see it, uh, I like the fact that the gloves okay, but the sleeves all messed up. Yeah. Now here's where the episode made me squee like a little fanboy. The Gotham by Gaslight yeah. Batman outfit in animated form. Oh yeah. When I else can you the, do it? You know. I love me some Gotham by Gaslight and the sequel, Masters of the Fu- Master of the Future. I really liked that well, one as I've well. Not read that? I've read Gotham by Gaslight, but not the second one. Uh, it's very different. It's not as spooky because it doesn't have Magnola artwork. It's uh, drawn by Eduardo Barreto, so it looks a little more illustrative. Uh, some people don't really like it. I loved it. Uh, I really liked seeing more of that Batman. I love the little details in this costume that they got so right in the animated form, like the stitching on the cowl mm-hmm. uh, makes it look like it. And I just think Mignola just designed an awesome Batman costume for the 1800s, uh, you know, with, with the the utility belt being a little different. I mean, there, there is nothing wrong about this episode in any way, shape, form, or fashion. <laughs> And of course, Holmes has to go off on his own because he's Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Nothing spookier than a windmill on a full moon. And no putt putt underneath it. Man, now I want to play putt putt. Why do you do that? <laughs> hey, there's a putt putt around me. <laughs> I love putt putt. Wife is too competitive. The uh, seeing the origin of the gentleman ghost was kind of cool yeah. uh, since he had been a previously established villain. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I don't mind that you know Hawkman's not really around because it it works for what they were doing. It, it's mm-hmm. it's it's kind of interesting that the creators of this show like just looked at the DC catalog and said, okay, we're going to use. I mean, the, the, the heroes were usually Green Arrow, Red Tornado, and Blue Beetle, and plot and sometimes yeah. plastic. Mm-hmm. they're thinking outside of the box and the way you grab kids uh, and kind of get them interested in superheroes is show them as many as you can when I was a kid you had the super friends and some of those heroes were silly El Dorado with his magic disappearing you know transporting cape I didn't like when I was a kid and I don't like today, but you know, you got to see flash and green lantern and Hawkman and Aquaman and all these other characters. So seeing, you know, this kind of takes that and, and ups the ante with it. Now that was a nice shot of their coat, their overcoats and their capes flowing in the wind. And that Holmes has a trick sword. Well, that would make sense. Uh, cane swords. <laughs> a friend of mine from high school had a cane sword. I had no idea why. He just liked it. <laughs> I think they're illegal now. I'm pretty sure of that. I guess it could be considered a concealed weapon, couldn't it? Yeah, definitely. I like the kind of uh, Nightmare Before Christmas uh, aspect to uh, Gentleman Jim's cane. Mm-hmm. It kind of, yeah. It kind of looks like a, a, like a little Tim Burton design thing, so... Now, that is an effective, non-scary, yet still threatening demon character. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's purple, so, you know, you don't... Kind of cool looking, eh? 
I, I didn't think I was going to like the back half of this episode with fighting demons and going to the netherworld, but I ended up really, really enjoying it. Okay, this is where you know it's Batman's show, where the demon doesn't go and fight the, the other demon. He just directs Batman to do <laughs> it. So, Well... He, Ow. Oh my goodness. Did you see the little bit of blood spatter? Yeah, well, purple, which is, I well, guess they get away from with it. I guess that's the only reason they did get away with it, because that's pretty horrific yeah. for, when, you, when you really consider that, ostensibly, this is a kid's show. Yeah. I mean, we're two grown adults watching it and enjoying it, but, you know, it was it was Cartoon Network's Friday night lineup with this yeah. and Clone Wars. Uh, which was easier to kind of wait for Batman Beyond through with Justice League. Uh, that's so really why? What's with the Pepto Bismol? Like, wasn't that the color that Doctor Fate always used in Justice League, though? Kinda, yeah, kind of a purplish, yeah, thing. Uh, hey, we got a, a commercial break, <laughs> but no commercials because it's not that kind of party. I like how the door doesn't shut, so they're not trapped. <laughs> uh, really, he still has like the. <laughs> oh my god! It was a fast special. <laughs> like, forget about throwing your batarang. I'm going to make you the batarang. Yeah. That is beautiful. <laughs> and I like uh, what I like about the ending of this is that you know you got the battle on two fronts. You have the two demons fighting, and then you have Batman fighting Jim Craddock. And I always like those kind of, you know, end game type things to shows like this where you have everyone fighting who they're supposed to fight, basically. The uh the demon is voiced by Tony Todd. Uh was kind of a, a horror figure and he played Candyman. Oh. Uh in the Candyman movies. He was also in the Crow. Oh. Uh, and was on. He was in uh, the episode of Smallville Jitters in the first season. Ooh, he was the guy that vibrated. Okay. So, getting him for this role was really has a really good quality to his voice. And uh, I don't know if this is going to sound offensive or anything. Kevin Michael Richardson can't play all of these characters. So, yeah. I mean, he's good. I love me some Kevin Kevin Michael Richardson, but. Uh, One of the people in here is voiced by D. Bradley Baker, who is uh, the fish on American Dad, amongst other things. The fish. Yeah. Why can't I remember his his name? I watched that show for like a year and a half straight. It was something my wife and I did every night. Now I can't remember one of the main characters. (laughs) I'm terrible at this. You know, okay, I, I think the moral of this story is uh, don't make a deal with the devil because it's never going to go well for you. You know, you, you think you're... <laughs> Didn't he say he wants to be immortal? Not it. So how is it changing to invincible all of a sudden? Well, I guess if you're immortal, technically you would be in... Yeah. Die. Yeah. You... you but, you know, that, that's not a thing. It's just like, you know, that, w- that would be kind of like your Twilight Zone ending where you're immortal, but then they cut the head off and you're just a head for all oh, of Oh, gosh, you know? yeah. So, you know, that, that's the thing about deals with demons and the devil and all that. I mean, the only reason I get, I guess the only time it ever really works out for you is if you're Peter Parker. Uh, yeah, and that didn't work out for us. <laughs> you make me laugh.
not a bad one. The um, man, I really love the design of this character. That outfit. I mean, it's it's very Jack Kirby ish, uh, which makes sense because the demon was one of those. Uh, I have like I have most of the, de- the the initial demon run from the seventies. Oh. That first issue is insane. It is like he throws so many concepts out at, at the reader all at once that it's Jack. Sometimes I think you needed a writer, but at the same time, it's one of those things where you're so in the moment that it doesn't matter. Like you're just Jack Kirby was a was a roller coaster ride. You just strapped in and you wrote it, and you know if you enjoyed it along the way, fine. But it was going to be interesting no matter what. So, and there have been a lot of really good demon series over the uh, over the years. He's a character like I, I I can honestly say I like Jason Blood and I like Etrigan. Uh, it would have been cool to kind of see more of his extended cast, but this actually took pa- place in the past, so it makes yeah. sense. Uh, and we had Chekhov's cane there because earlier in the episode, Iron was sh- shown to. Yep supernatural creatures and that's how they're finally able to bring this guy down in his Pepto-Bismol world. I guess at the end oh, they all... more booze. <laughs> Boys and ghouls of every age <laughs> do like to see something strange. And the falling action, we're just gonna send Batman home in his new costume. Which one before he goes back out there. And right here at the end, Batman gives uh, Sherlock Holmes a compliment. Yeah. And jerk about it. Indeed. <laughs> so, uh, y'all want to go get like a slice of pie or something? And the Jay Carlson. I wonder who Jay Carlson is. It's got to be Joe. I know. It's got to be somebody. I'm sure. Wow. But no, he, he I mean, does. You found him eight episodes earlier. <laughs> <laughs> there. Oh, that's there awesome. Go. Oh, that's so creepy. That's so creepy. A face only a mother could love. <laughs> no, that this one of the two we watched, it's 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 the one I liked the most. Uh, wow, Sherlock Holmes got a created by credit. Mm. I wonder who worked. Who I wonder. I, I wonder if that's a legal thing. Probably. Like, probably the estate uh, has some control over. Yeah. It, so, oh DC Comics swoosh logo. I miss you. So I've got uh, used to the new one, but I do miss the old one. Would have been nice for it to be there at the beginning of the new Fifty Two, but why well, have everything ready ahead of time? You know. Yeah. <laughs> There's too much going on. You can't blame them for not knowing everything. Good choice, Stella. Good choice. Yay! Good spooky ones. We had a connection between the two of them, and I think we got to see some, you know, interesting characters that, you know, some listeners may not know as much about. And you got um, uh, the Gotham by Gaslight Batman in his form. Yeah. I think one of the first times. Yeah. And, and that was what this show was really good at. It really celebrated all eras of that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Even when it was poking fun at them. 
you know, with Batmite, who I thought was brilliant. So the only time I ever liked Batmite was this series. So I guess that tells you something about this show that they were able to make me like Batmite. You didn't like him in 1977. Okay. Um, <laughs> I only asked because I just like watched the first two episodes of it for Batgirl to Oracle. I'm like, and I thought like, oh dear, this is. Oh Here's the thing about Filmation. <laughs> Filmation yeah. had to have the goofy little character. In He-Man, it was Orko. And in Batman, they had Batmite. And they were always voiced by the producer of the show, Lou Shunk. Oh, gosh. And if you ever want to hear a very not-family-friendly take and like review <laughs> of that show, go over to the Hypnobobs podcast and listen to Jim Moons. He, he, he hasn't done one in quite some time, but he did a... Uh, an extended peer, a series called The Natural History of the Batman. And his uh, his view of Batmite is NSFW. I mean, not NSFW in every meaning of the word, not safe for work. But oh my. <laughs> laugh so hard oh. when I heard it. But no, I, I mean, just, just, you know, Gentleman Ghost and Demons and, yes. and The Demon and yeah. Sherlock Holmes. I mean, how do you... When you can work all of those elements into a into a story and make it work, that's when you know you're really cooking with evil gas. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously. Yeah, because I think on paper, putting all those together, you'd be like, yeah, this is too much. This is not going to work. But it did. It came together so well, I think. See, I almost disagree with it because there's a novel out there. Graphic Audio did an adaptation of this. But there's a novel out there called DC Universe Trail of Time that had as the Guys, Vandal Savage, Mordrew, mm. and Felix Faust teaming up. Oh, wow. And they end up creating this whole other Earth. So on one hand, you have Superman teamed up with the Demon and the Phantom Stranger. And, of course, Zatanna shows up. Mm. But then you have all of DC's Western characters. Oh, wow. Affected. And it's just when you can juggle all of those elements and make them work and mm-hmm. celebrate. I will always like stories like that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, this is like one of my favorite episodes of Brave and the Bold ever. Yeah. Uh, if you are interested in reading Etrigan, Etrigan stuff, what what would you recommend? The uh, the Jack Kirby omnibus of the demon stuff is okay. relatively inexpensive. Uh, that seems to be out there pretty cheap. Uh, if you're back issue diving, Alan Grant uh, started a series in 1990 that was rather good. Uh, eventually, Garth Ennis started writing that, and actually, <laughs> one of those annuals is where we got the character of Hitman, who I'm sure pretty much nobody remembers. Uh, there's also Matt Wagner did a mini series in the 80s, but again, you'd have to go, you know, back issue diving for that. So, but no, seriously, Demon is one of those characters that you should check out because he's a he's got an interesting cast of characters. And I like the idea of an immortal man, tr- you know, that, that is, you know, haunted by this thing inside of him. Mm-hmm. Just, it just works for me on all levels. Yeah. Well, any final thoughts? Um, thank you so much for having me on here. Of it's course. A lot of fun. This, uh, this is a great way to celebrate Halloween. Yeah. So. Appreciate with it. some Batman Brave and the Bold. And I hope, uh, yeah, listeners who haven't watched it or are a bit nervous about it because, you know, Batman should be dark and broody, I implore you to just give it a shot to keep an open mind and, and check this out because I think you can tell from our conversation how much we really enjoy it. And, and I think it's just 
you could tell the creators really love Batman and yeah. just bringing in this wealth of character. I mean, I think it's just such a an awesome like symphony of of wonderful characters across the DC universe. So I really think that everyone should give it a shot. Yeah, no, definitely. I uh, I, I speak as somebody that started out not liking, and uh, I saw the light. <laughs> however you want to say it. Yeah. I mean, if you're a fan of Batman, this really does a lot to celebrate Batman. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost to the detriment of every other character on the show sometimes. <laughs> but still, I mean, it's yeah. just, it, it's a fun romp, and these are two excellent episodes to check out. And again, if you got Netflix, you got no excuse. There you go. Some free stuff right there. Yeah. If only we could also watch the musical ones with the Birds of Prey either or yes. with the... <laughs> Or the whole music with the music The music meister, meister with Neil Patrick Harris. I yeah, poor Green Arrow like, getting shot with, down by Dino all the time. With, but with the very Rent-type musical number at the oh end gosh, with them. yeah. <laughs> Would you light my candle? <laughs> if only she would have sang that. Oh, man. Well, as always, just such an honor to have you on. And, and you bring, you know, with you your wealth of knowledge. And, and I think people will definitely have a lot that they can potentially get from this. And I'm interested in checking out some of this stuff as well. So thank you for coming on and being able to do this. Uh, pleasure as always, Stella. Okay. Well, happy Halloween to you guys. Have a safe one out there. Enjoy the pumpkins. And uh, don't let Jay... Jake, Garrick, take them all away from you. It's not like you can stop them. That's probably true. 